What a week, huh? It's a very different Sunday today than it was last Sunday. Um, amazing. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but, but my head is kind of swimming in this, you know. I, and, and I've really moved. I've shifted a lot in my perspectives on this. Um, I want to kind of uh, get, we're just going to start off by updating, like, what, what are we going to do as a church? What does that look like? How is this going to impact us? The reality of it is, is that we're all going to be impacted by this, right? And, and whatever, we, we also um, are coming possibly from, from different perspectives on, on some of this, right? And so I think that one key thing to really start with is let's be respectful of one another um, in, the, in the midst of this and, and where we're coming from, um, why we're doing some of the things that we're doing. I'll just tell you that I, I don't know much about this. I mean, everything that I know about this and what I think about this is pretty subjective, actually. Um, I'm not tied into the medical community. I, I'm not an epidemiologist. I, I, don't, I don't know these different things. Um, but, but thankfully, we have some great medical folks a lot of them actually that attend the church and, and, and a couple of them serving on the board as well. And so we're leaning heavily on, on Corey and Jeremy and those guys to help us to kind of navigate what this looks like for us as a church and, and what it looks like to meet or, or, or possibly not meet. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I think that there's a number of different things. We can, we can be a people, we can say, well, you know, they can't keep us from meeting and we have the right to assemble and different things like that. And, and I would tell you my own personal perspective on that is this, is if, if we were facing something where the government or somebody said like, oh, you, you're just a bunch of haters and, and so we're shutting you down, I'll, I'll gladly go to jail for that. I, I'll stand up here and we'll meet and I'll go to jail and I'll happily do that. But, but, but there's another um, uh, perspective of service in this and that looks like being good community members, right? And, and, and so if, if, there was the, if, if we're told or, or there's the thought out there that, that it would be best, that, that it would be better for our community, that it would preserve lives, that it would um, keep people safe, if, if we were able to, you know, if we just didn't meet possibly, then we're, we're going we're gonna to explore that possibility. I'm not telling you that that's what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. As a matter of fact, I, uh, I, I just, I've shifted so much. It's weird. I don't know, like, I don't know about you guys, but by, on Wednesday, I was like, oh my gosh, look at this. this is cr As a matter of fact, I want to just give you a little example of my own personal spiritual growth is this. Um, I, I was going to, wanted to come out with a hazmat suit on, um, respirators, and spray Lysol at you guys to begin with. But then I realized by Sunday that actually wouldn't be funny. Um, and so... Normally, try, if I thought it was funny, I would have just done it, but I refrained, and so that's just Jesus working in my life, um, and, and visibly. It's a tough time, you know, and, and, and we're, there's, there's fear, we're, we're, we're a little bit, hopefully we're not fearful, but we're worried, and, and, and legitimately, possibly so. It's, there, there are financial implications to this, there's, there's just fallout, right? There's, there's, there's going to be a lot of stuff that we don't yet even understand how it's going to impact our lives, but guess what? Our lives have been interrupted by this thing, right? And, and, and then we're, so we're, as the church and as God's people, we're, 
we're going to try to navigate this thing, and we're gonna, we want to do it the best we can. I mean, I'll tell you, you know, just a few things. Obviously, you saw some differences. You know, we're going to try to just make sure if, we're, if we are meeting that, that everybody's hands aren't on everything, you know? So we've tried to mitigate that and just get it down to, you know, a set of hands with some gloves, and we're changing those out. We came in yesterday. We really tried to disinfect the, the church, you know, and use uh, sanitizers and different things and, you know, and spray things down, at least do our best, you know, to, to try to mitigate that. I can tell you that, that if you don't have the app, please get the app. If you have the availability of a smartphone, get the app because it's a big way of, that, of how we're going to communicate. Um, email, app, our website, and Facebook are going to be probably our easiest means and the best means that we have of communication. So make sure that you're tied into one of those things. If not one, multiple ones would be really good because we want to be not just... Um, uh, telling you, you know, like updating what's going on with us, but also to just ministering. And, you know, when we find, we found some good articles that we've tried to pass on, you know, about how to talk to kids and some different things like that in the face of this. So, so we want to keep ministering and keep moving forward. And those are the, those are the, uh, the venues um, in which we can do that. Um, you know, this very well may push us to, to getting our live stream up and running, right? Because um, we, we, you know, we could have a virtual, you know, church service, and that might be an important thing in the next few weeks. I, I, I don't know. I really don't. And I think that that's the thing. And I think that this week is going to also be very telling as to how things develop and where we're at. Just, we just don't know. But certainly, I don't know about you, but, but we haven't seen a reaction like this to things. Um, we haven't had this much of an interruption in our lives for, for quite a while. And so it's going to be interesting. So the big thing that I want to encourage us in as Christians, one thing is that, is that we're not fearful, right? We're, we, aren't, we aren't a fearful people that we are going to continue to trust God, right? As a church, we're going to trust Him. We're leaning in on Him. But we're also, we want to be, we want to be wise, right? We're not just, you know, we're also not going to do foolish things. Um, and, and kind of uh, test God in these things. We're going to be wise. We're going to navigate this in, in a wise way, and we're going we're to implement the kind of things that we can to keep not just us safe, but also the greater community around us and stuff like that. So we just want to be good. We want to be good community members, first and foremost. And whatever that looks like, we want to listen um, to, to what people who know more about it than I do um, have to say about that. But, but the board and stuff is, is going to be navigating that. If you want to visit with somebody anytime or, or whatever, you know, the, the emails, there's, there's, a, there's a list for those emails. You can, you can email us. Basically, about anybody's email in the church is just take their first name, put a period between their first and their last name, and it's at bighornrock.com, and you can catch about anybody that's on the board or on staff there. Um, so... You know, here we are, and, 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 you know, then we have to deal with, you know, well, man, what is, what is God doing in the midst of this, right? And, and historically, Christians have had all kinds of perspectives on these things, that it's the wrath of God, that it's, it's these different things that God is angry and he's mad at, you know. Here's what I know. God has allowed it, and, um, and God has allowed this to disrupt our lives, and, and I think that God is stirring us up. And, and he's, he's allowing it, not because he, he's the God who wants to see these things, but because, A, we live in a broken world that fell, right? And, and, and so we don't live in a perfect uh, situation. And Jesus told us flat out in this world, right, you'll have comfort, ease, and, 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 and no, no worries, right? No, he told us in this world we'll have trouble, right? But he's told us this. He also said, take heart, take heart, 
I've overcome the world. I've, I've, given you, I've given you a different means of navigating this world. I've given you a different pathway. I've given you a hope that the world doesn't have. Um, and so, so really, God is going to be faithful to us regardless. I want to read Psalm 91 um, to us. And it says this. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler, and you, and you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot, because he holds fast to me in love, and I will deliver him. I will protect him, because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And that last line there, I think, is, is just the key there, is, it, is that if we've trusted in Jesus, that we have a hope of salvation. As a matter of fact, the greatest promises that God has for you and I will be delivered to us when we exit this plane of existence. The real promises that we want, a place that's, that's, that's free of suffering and pain and death and struggle and all of those kinds of things, and sin especially, will be delivered to us. We'll actually enter into that when we leave this one. And so here, you know, we, we sit and we sit in this spot of how do we do this and how do we, how do we uh, continue to navigate? How do we exhibit Christian service in the midst of this? And, and so while we're, we're, again, we're worried, we're worried about loved ones, we're worried about uh, some different things that we don't even know might be coming down the pike. I think even sometimes the, the, uh, the, the worry of the unknown um, is, is a bigger one. How do we do that? And I was thinking back today, I was, or as I was kind of just reeling kind of all week going, wow, what do I do with all of this, you know? Um, I was reminded of, of Ecclesiastes, and Ecclesiastes uh, here, it says, uh, this is chapter 9, verse 11, it says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on the earth. And so Ecclesiastes is just this interesting book, and we went through it last summer, and, and what it does is it uses difficult situations. It, it talks about the hard things and even death in this life. And it says that this is a tutor, that this has been given to us to teach us how to actually really live. I think that God is disrupting our lives at different times throughout history as his church and as his believers so that we'll be reminded about what life is really about. And, and we'll start to understand too. You see, this thing makes no sense. Cast your bread upon the waters and you'll get it back. No, it'll float away and sink, right? That's what we say. But God is like, my ways are not your ways, right? My ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. 
And so God is just telling us to know that we can trust in him, that things sometimes that don't even make sense, that we are called to be generous, to give that portion to seven or even eight. See, I think the, 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 one of the most frightening things about this whole thing is people's reaction to it, right? Certainly we see and we're reminded of the reality, I think, and what this really brings us to is how fragile things really are. I mean, just think about it. In the matter of like, I don't know what your experience was, but for me, two days and everything just turned completely upside down. Our financial markets, um, you know, we can't find toilet paper. Uh, I mean, it's just crazy. It's an interesting dynamic that in two days, our world could be disrupted to that level. And I think that it's a great reminder to us as believers that our hope is not here. This is not the hope that we have. We have a greater hope that there, is, there are things that while we're here and we're living in this, we're, we're living not for the temporal purposes of this world, but for the eternal plans of God, for the eternal purposes, for his glory, to make him known, to make him famous in the world around us. And we do that not by hoarding stuff, right? Not by not by being that people who are just so consumed and so driven by fear that we are going to be a people who are just about self-preservation. I'm going to tell you, self-preservation is an offense to God. As a matter of fact, there's a, there's a parable that's told about talents, right, if you're familiar. And, and, and one guy got one, and another got two, and another got five, right? And, and it says that the, the guy that, the, the one that got two and the one that got five, they went out and they invested them and they got a return on that. But the guy who got one, he went and buried it. And ultimately, what does that parable tell us? But that he comes back and the, the master comes back and says, what have you done? And, and he, he didn't do anything with it. He, he just made sure he was okay. He, he ordered the one to make sure he was, he's like, okay, I'm going to make sure that I, I can just hand this back to him, that I, you know, I'm not going to take a chance with it. I'm not going to lose this. I'm going to make sure I'm okay. I'm going to hand him the one back and then it's going to be all right. But what he found out was that that was actually quite offensive to the master. The idea of self-preservation is not what we're called to as Christians. Now, so as we try to navigate this thing of service, and especially today, there's another area of service that's, that's really difficult because we also don't want to, in the name of Jesus, run around infecting everybody <laughs> because we're trying to serve. And so this is where we have to mix this with discernment and with wisdom, and we have to listen to what other people that know more about some of this kind of stuff. Because see, we sit in a really different spot. God has given us a lot of understanding today that, that just maybe wasn't around in the past. And, and, and so that's a real blessing. So we're going to want to listen to what is said and stuff, but, but we, we want to be a people who continue to be there for the world. As a matter of fact, guess what? This is an exciting time spiritually because it shakes us, it, it jars us, it interrupts our lives, and it's interrupting the life of everybody out there, and it's causing people to have questions, right? What, what is this about, and what does this mean, and I'm so afraid, and am I, you know, am I going to run out of toilet paper? Uh, you know, I mean, these are our things, and, and, and this is a struggle. Is there going to be food, you know? And, 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 and there's just, you can see this absolute... Um, contagion of fear, 
right, and, and how it's working in the culture around us. Um, I think that a lot of things in the Bible, it starts to put some real perspective to those things. You know, Jesus talks, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is the whole end times right now and all this unfolding before us, but, but he says when these things happen that they would start to unfold quickly. And I think, man, for me this week versus last Sunday, things have went very quickly in this world, right? And so, so if nothing else, it shows us, wow, that's, that's legit. I can see how things can unfold quickly. And I think also, too, we can also see how that for comfort, for self-preservation, for uh, these different things, I think people will kind of sell themselves out to all kinds of stuff and, and leaders or whatever that might look like. And I think that that's just really evident. And, and how fragile the reality of us, we think we're so smart, we think that we're technologically so advanced, we think that we're in a way almost without... Um, that, that we're indestructible almost kind of as a people. And, and man, what a picture that just this germ and toilet paper is crippling us right now as a country. You know, we're just, we're just, we're just consumed with this thing and we're, we're at this spot. And I think it's just quite surprising, actually. Luke 10, 38 through 32, um, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Martha has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And so as we move through this idea of service, I, I, I want to start to pose the, the idea of just motive for service, right? What, what is our motive? Why do we serve? Why do we do what we do? Because this picture here is, is a picture of, of Martha and Mary. And, and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to him and she's worshiping. As a matter of fact, her, her service at this point is an act of worship. Um, we'll look at that a little bit more. But, but here... Um, she comes and Martha's like, hey, um, what's going on here? I'm doing everything. You see, it's real easy to be a servant until somebody treats you like one. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we're like, hey, whoa, wait a minute. What, are you, what is this? But, but see, Martha comes and she's, she's like, hey, I, I'm doing all this stuff. And she's not. And Jesus is like, well, actually what she's doing is, is actually the best. Because real service really should start from worship right? And that we shouldn't just be busied in our lives doing a lot of stuff. As a matter of fact, what we really need to do is we need to start by sitting at the feet of Jesus and hearing what does he have for us? What is it that he's teaching us? Where is he telling us? What, what area of service does he have for us? Because to be honest with you, service can get in the way of service, right? The good is the enemy of the best, right? Mary or Martha is allowing the good, the serving, the preparation, the meal, all this stuff to get in the way of the best, which is worshiping at the feet of Jesus. So all service, as we approach this idea and as we, as we think this thing through and as we kind of put this, this, this other stone here up, um, we want to be talking about service. And I'm amazed at God's timing on service here this week. You know, I, I, there have been several times in this series I've been like, wow, that's interesting that that would happen 
this week. I think that this is one of those. This isn't planned, but service. And so, so we want to make sure that, that service doesn't become the idol, that we don't become kind of uh, wrong motive, doing the wrong thing. We want to start at the feet of Jesus, and we want to go from there. See, the Bible in Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And that is a particular Greek word that I forgot to write down, so I can't tell you it right now. But it means that this service is worship. That, that, and it's just translated there as worship, but it has the idea of that we are offering ourselves as a point of worship in service, first to Jesus, but then also to one another, right? And then to the world also around us, that we, again, in our lives are meant to be concentric circles of love that start at the feet of Jesus, that move out into the one another's of the church, and then out into the community around us, right? Some of the best service that we can be doing for people right now is just absolutely kind of just being there for them. Comfort, answering, having, being quick. Are you ready with the answer? Are you ready with something when somebody's at your work or at your school or whatever that looks like or at Walmart says, what in the world is going on? And, and, and I'm so afraid. And I'm worried about my family. I'm worried about our family. I'm worried about our country. I'm worried about this world. And, and, and what are we going to share? What are, we, are we ready to share the hope that is in us, the hope that could give them some comfort, the hope that brings them into the kingdom? You see, when the physical world is shaken around us, it forces us to begin to look into the eternal. It forces us. It interrupts our life here where it's real easy, and especially here in America, to just get caught up in all that we have and all of the, the blessings that we have. And we have so many options, you know. We had options with our time. We had options with our money. We can do this. We can do that. I got this. We could go here. We could have... I guess what? It's all interrupted. It all gets interrupted, and it's getting more and more interrupted. And we don't know what's coming in the days to come, but I think that what God wants to do in our hearts is remind us who we are and what we're here for, what our real purposes are for, what, what this is about. This isn't just about consuming to the nth degree. This is about casting our bread upon the waters and trusting that somehow God is going to return that bread to us and that we can then take that bread and we can give it out to seven, even to eight right? But to, to, to understand that this is who we're created to be, this is what it is, is that we are to present ourselves, not something else, not, not our money even. See, sometimes we substitute our money sometimes for us. We're like, hey, I gave, and that's great. Don't get me wrong. We want to be generous. We talked about that. But, but, but generosity doesn't substitute for a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice is allowing our lives to be disrupted, to be inconvenienced by other people, to, 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 um, to be there in a difficult circumstance sometimes, maybe to extend ourselves in ways that we're not always comfortable with and not always, but we're called to present ourselves as a living and a holy sacrifice. See, if you're a living sacrifice, that means you could crawl down off of the altar and run away, <laughs> right? Dead ones can't. But we're not called to be dead sacrifices. We're called to be living sacrifices to offer ourselves back to God and this, right? Luke 16, 13, Jesus sets a spiritual principle out there for us that says you cannot serve two masters. 
You can't do it. When it comes to the idea of service, it either starts at the feet of Jesus or it's somewhere else. And you can't be both those places at the same time. You'll love one and you'll forsake the other, right? You can only be one place and not both. And because life in our lives exists on a spiritual plane, it's impossible to be at two points on the same plane. See, we're spiritual. We're created for this. And and, and so our acts of service can either be for self, to look good, to seem good, to get a good return, to get the accolades of people, to um, take care of ourselves, to consume all the way out. Whatever that looks like, we can either be on that end of the spectrum or we can start at the feet of Jesus. We offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. We say, what do you want from us, God? And, and, And you've interrupted my life today. What does that look like? I'm hearing from you. Please speak. But we can't be in two places at the same time. Romans 7, 6. But now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the spirit and not in oldness of the letter. This is the thing I want to get the most out of us today, is that this is a heart issue. This isn't an action issue. This, isn't, this doesn't start by just running out and, and say, oh man, try said we gotta go out and we gotta do a bunch of stuff. And if we don't do a bunch of stuff, then we're not good Christians. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that, is that this is an internal thing. This is about new creation kind of stuff. This is about new heart kind of stuff. This is about sitting at the feet of Jesus and allowing him to change us radically and to operate out of the spirit. See, God isn't calling you to go out there and do more stuff. He's calling you to surrender harder to him. He's calling you to lay your life more down at his feet in worship to him. And then an outflow starts to come out of our lives. When he starts equating this stuff with fruit, trust me, a fruit tree never thinks about bearing fruit. Bearing fruit in a fruit tree has everything to do with where it's rooted and the conditions around it. And when we're rooted down, it's like Psalm 1, right? He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit in its season, right? And his leaf does not wither and whatever he does prospers. It's this idea that it's not about the tree. It's about where the tree is rooted in. Jesus said, if you abide in me, you know, and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. See, bearing fruit doesn't, it's not, a, it's not something that we purpose ourselves to do. It's, it's positional. And when we get in the right position, we can't help but bear fruit. This is why we're called to make disciples, right? We're not called to go plant churches. We're called to make disciples because when we make disciples, churches will be planted. The gospel will go out. Multiplication will happen if we're doing those things, if we're living in this manner. And sometimes God actually allows us to get uncomfortable. He allows us to get shaken a little bit so that we'll reframe, so that we'll remember what's important as his people. And it also shakes everyone around us. You see, because the security of the whole world around us right now is shaken. There's uncertainty, right? And when there's uncertainty in the air, I wanna say that as Christians, we should get excited about that because that means opportunity is coming. And you know what? I'd rather be uncomfortable and see the world around us come to know Jesus eternally than I would to be comfortable and not see anybody come. And I think that this is what God is calling us to. He's calling us to understand that this isn't your home. This isn't, your, this isn't the end destination. This isn't the last stop on the bus. 
This is temporal. This is where we are for a while, but for a purpose. But we start by doing it in the Spirit. We start individually by just laying ourselves down at the feet of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9, 12 through 15, carrying out this social relief work, this is the message. So he kind of, but I thought it was good in this. Carrying out this social relief work involves far more than helping meet the bare needs of poor Christians. It also produces abundant and bountiful thanksgivings to God. This relief offering is a prod to live at your very best, showing your gratitude to God by being openly obedient to the plain meaning of the message of Christ. You show your gratitude through your generous offerings to your needy brothers and sisters and really toward everyone. Meanwhile, moved by the extravagance of God in your lives, they'll respond by praying for you in passionate intercession for whatever you need. Thank God for this gift, His gift. No language can praise it enough. For even as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So as we, as we deal with these things, and as we move forward, you know, in this uncertainty, in this interruption in our lives, let's remember that the God that we serve allowed himself to be absolutely interrupted, disrupted, inconvenienced. Um, he suffered on our behalf so that we could have life in him. And there's nothing that we can do that more emulates and displays and glorifies the life of Jesus than when we live this out. When we actually allow ourselves to be interrupted, when we allow ourselves to be inconvenienced, when we put ourselves out there for our brothers and our sisters, we begin to really put on display the life of Christ. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. That remember, it's, it, it, it's your church, it's your work, that, that really what we're supposed to do, that what the leadership of the church is supposed to do is to equip, is to prepare you to help you, to come beside you, to walk with you for the ministry of service because it's a way bigger picture, right? You guys all have way more, corporately, we have way more connections than I have individually, right? And, and, and so we have connection points all around us. I want to remind us, too, that this certainly isn't the first time that Christians have faced anything like this. Thankfully, honestly, what we're looking at doesn't look even near as severe as, as some of the things have in the past. I want to read to you a couple of things. Um, the Christian response to plagues begins with some of Jesus' most famous teaching, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Greater love has no man than this, that he should lay down his life for his friends. But plainly, the Christian ethic in a time of plague considers that our own life must always be regarded as less important than that of our neighbor. During plague periods in the Roman Empire, Christians made a name for themselves. Historians have suggested that the terrible Antonin plague of the second century, which might have killed off a quarter of the Roman Empire, led to the spread of Christianity. As Christians cared for the sick and offered a spiritual model whereby plagues were not the work of angry and capricious deities, but the product of broken creation in revolt against a loving God. But the more famous epidemic is the plague of Cyprian, named for a bishop who gave a colorful account of this disease in his sermons, probably a disease related to Ebola. 
The plague of Cyprian helped set off the crisis of the third century in the Roman world, but it did something else too. It triggered the explosive growth of Christianity. Cyprian's sermons told Christians not to grieve for the plague victims, but to redouble efforts to care for the living. His fellow bishop Dionysus described how Christians, heedless of danger, took charge of the sick, attending to their every need. Nor was it just Christians who noted this reaction of Christians to the plague. A century later, the actively pagan emperor Julian would complain bitterly of how the Galileans would care for even non-Christian sick people, while the church historian Pontianus uh, recounts how Christians ensured that good was done to all men, not merely to the household of faith. The sociologist and religious demographer Rodney Stark claims that death rates in cities with Christian communities may have been just half that of other cities. So here's, the, here's another thing. Again, what does service look like in this time for us? And, and, and I'm not going to say that it, it doesn't look like us running around necessarily. And, and when somebody's sick, we're all going to run over there and then run around in our life. That, 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 that isn't necessarily loving our brothers with what we know then. Remember, back in those times, they had very limited um, medical uh, abilities, um, personnel, things like that. We, we live in a different time. And so I'm not saying that, you know, we should all just run over and let's all take chicken noodle soup and, and, and you know, all, you know, get infected and then go infect everybody else. That's, that's definitely not the picture here. But we certainly are here to offer spiritual support to people. And, and, and there could be, you know, I mean, phone calls. There, there's all kinds of means that God has opened up for us to share and to care for one another. Just opening those lines of communication, you know. But, but certainly let's be wise and let's be prudent in what we do individually and as a church, and what that looks like. But let's make sure that our service, that the heart of service, that the heart of generosity, that the heart of discipleship and multiplication and hospitality and all of these great things that we're called to as Christians that begin to set us apart, really literally, from the rest of the world and what the world is living for and what the world is doing. Let us be different. Let us make sure that we have the hope set deep inside of us, that we've sat at the feet of Jesus, that we've been assured of who we are, what our identity is, what we're called to, what our purpose is, and, and that, that we're his. We've been purchased and we've been bought. And let's be willing, though, to be interrupted. Let's be willing to be uncomfortable. Let's be willing to um, have our lives inconvenienced so that the gospel can go out. I want us to see this time as a, as a really potentially um, time of opportunity. Maybe it's a time of really unique opportunity. Um, maybe we should be excited about the, the possibilities. And again, maybe we should get comfortable with the idea of being uncomfortable and allowing things to get stirred so that maybe more might come into the kingdom. I saw that the other day on a, on a, um, on a uh, documentary I was watching. It was about the Iranian church. And this, this lady, she said her husband had moved her to the United States. And it was interesting. She, after a, a while of being here, she said, I want to go back to Iran. And he's like, what? You want to go back to Iran from America? 
And you know what she said? It really impacted me. She said, there's a satanic lullaby going on there. And I feel myself getting sleepy. She was like, I want to go back where, it's, where I'm uncomfortable. And, and, and that was the thing this guy was saying, that she would rather be uncomfortable and see the gospel spread than live in this lullaby of comfort. So I know that God has bigger purposes for us. He has bigger purposes for us individually and as a church. And uh, I think he's stirring his church. He's moving us to the good works that he's called us to do. The, the good works, see, this is no surprise to God. He hasn't been caught off guard, right? There's good works that he prepared in advance that we might walk in them. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for... This day, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the hope that we have in you. We thank you that, that, that none of this is outside of your control, that, that you, you own all things. It's all yours. You have all power, Lord. There's nothing that you can't do. And so, Lord, we just want to trust you at a deeper place. We want to we wanna walk in the good works that you have. We want to be agents of hope. We want to be um, agents of, of change. We want to see the gospel go out. And Lord, we know that even if some inconvenience comes our way, that that, uh, that, that could actually be a good thing. So Lord, help us to love our neighbor. Help us to do that in a way that's, that's discerning. Help us to do that in a way that's prudent. Lord, help us as a church body to navigate this time and to know what to do and how to be good community members too and in, in the midst of it. So Lord, help us that we might be spiritual support to the community around us. Lord, help us to be physical support to the community around us. Help us to be financial support to the community around us. Help us, Lord, to live generously, hospitably. Lord, help us to um, desire discipleship Help us, Lord, that we might serve in a manner that matches your life and who you are. Lord, we just, we pray over those, Lord, who um, are vulnerable at this point. Lord, we pray just against this coronavirus, Lord. We, we pray against it in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord, that you would just, uh, just take it from our land, and not just our land, but the whole globe, Lord. We pray for those who are struggling in the nations that are, that are really having a hard time with this, Lord. We pray that you would just um, bring support and, and healing in that. We pray for the leadership, Lord, of, of our nation and of this community and our church. And we just want to just lift this before you. Um, and we just bring it to you, Lord. And we ask that you would move powerfully in the midst of this. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.